0: up. We have had to perform to a certain social game. And so we're in a constant state of competition. In terms of that competition, we can of course lose place and in that sense make mistakes. Criticism this is the secret. You can't
1: make a mistake. Welcome, everyone, to Friends of Failure, where we discuss the reality and necessity of failure. I am your host, Sam, and this is my co-host, Megan. Heyo. And uh, today, uh, we have a guest that I'm very excited to introduce. It's my Good friend, uh, Tim. How you doing, buddy? And I'm good. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, we're excited to have you. You are our second guest. So mm-hmm. we we really appreciate you coming out today. And, uh, you know, we, we brought you here because you have a similar interest, you know, that we have, right, of talking about failure uh, and our experiences with that. So I'm curious as to uh, what you're going to talk about today.
2: Well, I mean, since you've given me kind of free reign to uh, hit that topic however I see fit, um, we're just going to run the gamut and I'm going to cover from A to Z. No, I'm kidding. I, we don't have time for... We do <laughs> to be have a five-hour
3: episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Back uh, in
2: 1974, I'd be like, wow. He wasn't even- yeah. Wow. There's not enough time <laughs> for us to cover all of my many failures leading up to wherever I am right now in life. And uh, with so many to go, uh, it'd be fun <laughs> to have predictions as well, but... But no, I think, um, you know, having thought about it, I've got a very eclectic background in um, business and entrepreneurship and my own personal many facets of of education and then also having been a public educator. And so for me, as you know, my story of failure is definitely a personal topic and one that I guess if I'm going to address it, I'm going to address it from a business standpoint and how I brought it into the classroom and then ultimately how I exited the classroom setting all partly because of that topic. So how's that sound? No, it sounds like you were a teacher. I was. A failure. 11 11 years. 11 years. (laughs) A failed teacher. No. Oh wow. (laughs) It didn't work out.
1: So 11 years is a long time to do something and then obviously change you know uh i guess i should have said this before i let you do your spiel which was beautiful by the way tim and i have known each other since 2008 2009 i guess it'd be 2008 um so we've known yeah we've known each other for a while uh i left for a while came back but we've been really good friends ever since i guess we met really uh so i i did get to kind of be a part of when you were teaching. And I remember the time you told me you became a teacher Uh, and I do think you should preface a little bit of what led you to becoming a teacher, but you know, I, I had left and he gave me a call and it was kind of a, Hey, how have you been doing? You know, you made it through your intro training and he was just literally checking in on me. And I asked the question of man, I'm, you know, Hey, I appreciate it. How have you been doing? He's like, I'm a teacher. Wow. And it blew my mind. And you're I, like, I, what? Yeah, I was like, how did he get to this point? And I, I, had, <laughs> I hadn't seen him in what six, seven months. It was something around that that range. <laughs> and he was just like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna flip the switch." But I've learned that you know, you're, you, you do what you want, like, and what feels right. So uh, I think, I think the question I would like to ask you is, how did you end up,
2: you know, getting to the point of becoming a teacher? That is a hell of a question. <laughs> It, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't start out life going, man, I want to be a teacher. I want to make my life miserable for eight <laughs> hours a day, there it five is. days a week. I mean, sure. I've got weekends and summers off, but, uh, and holidays, but man, I really want kids to disrespect me for a little <laughs> mm. I didn't, it wasn't something that I set out in life to do. And I met many people even in college who are like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm like, why would you ever do that? And so so that's, you know, just to kind of give you an idea that that's not where I started out. I didn't go to school for that. It wasn't what I was trying to do. Um, but I will, you know, to shorten this story, I market crash of 08. Okay, I had my own business. I was running in partnership with another guy who had really founded the business. And I won't go into the details of that. But I will say it was my first entrepreneur experience. And as far as failure goes, it was a big one. I lost a good chunk of money. And what I invested to get my business up and running, I didn't have any paperwork that protected me and my interests and my money in that business. And ultimately when that guy up and just kind of uh, disappeared, if you will, and, and took the business with him and over some really weird situations. I mean, I realized I was kind of up a creek, but then you also had 2008 market crash. And so that was just a financial blow to everybody. And I'm, you know, here I am fairly fresh out of college and, you know, highly educated and couldn't hardly get a job to, uh, to, to pay the bills. So I was told my wife, I said, look, you know, if, uh, if you're down, I could sign up for the military and, you know, do that for four years until this whole thing blows over and get some more skills and come back to the workforce. And so that's what I looked to do. And I took the ASVAB. I made like a 94 on the ASVAB. And I couldn't do the Air Force because I was too old at the time. I wasn't going to do the Marines. No no disrespect, Sam, but uh, I was all good. good. (laughs) Like I was going to go Air Force because I was like, hey, you know, a lot of stuff in the Air Force can transfer out into the job world when I'm done. And uh, but again, I was too old. So then I was looking at the Army. And here I am with a 94 on the ASVAB and thinking I could just pick whatever MOS I wanted. And it was not like that at all. Uh, They basically were like, Nope, all we have open is intelligence and that's all we want you to do. And I'm like, yeah, but I could do all these other things. Like, Nope, we don't have those open for you, which I later realized was just kind of like they weren't going to let me enter with that kind of score and, and not let me do what they needed, you know, which was intelligence. I wasn't going to do it because I'd researched enough to be like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Not even for the sign on bonus. I'm good. And so uh, ultimately walked away from that going, what the hell am I going to do? And my wife was like, you know, what is it that you love the most about everything you've ever done? And so really, I was at a moment in my life where I suppose, you know, I I was soul searching, trying to figure out what what am I going to do in this very difficult market to be gainfully employed with a number of certifications at that time that I could have applied. But just was difficult people being laid off all, all over the place and so I uh, I told her I said you know the thing I like the most about every job I've ever had is training people how to do that job and I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed the process of watching people become the best they can be at whatever it is that I'm setting out to teach them right and so she's like well why not be a teacher and I'm like <laughs> <what>? <laughs> no no no, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all I mean that's literally how far my brain was away from the idea of being an educator and so but you know the seed was planted and as seeds do sometimes grow and it did in me and uh you know through multiple different kind of avenues it was echoing at you know back to me as far as hey you should really look at this so I was like you know and then my wife was like why not be a substitute teacher I'm like what so now <laughs> I can get you know Honorary children to make my life miserable for half the pay. Yeah, yeah. that's not that's not an option either. So, what the compromise ended up being was, all right, fine, I'll be a substitute teacher to to make sure that that's a a career I would pursue. So it was more like a you know a test run for me. And so in my head I was like, yeah, I could be a high school teacher. I'm not going to deal with middle school or elementary and and so there's a lot of backstory that kind of leads up to me becoming a teacher. And I'll be honest, prayer was a lot of it and just kind of like submitting and going, I have no idea what God you want me to do, but uh, you know what? Uh, I'll, if if you're showing signs, I guess I'll just follow. And I re- it had nothing to do with education. I wasn't praying about any one specific thing. I was just like, I'm, I need help. And so within a very, very short period of time, and I'm talking like weeks, I went from, not knowing what the heck I was going to do, gonna do for employment to probably about six weeks later being offered a job as the full-time math teacher without being certified to have that job. So they were basically depending on me to get my certification that summer. And I was hired over a, a gal that had been literally, she was, had gone to college. To that was her
3: goal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: But they hired me. and And I think one of the reasons was because you know, I, I sat in the interview and, and for me, I'd been in all kinds of interviews up to this point, And this was nothing. I'm in an interview at a table full with five people around me. And by the end of that interview, people were laughing, they were having a good time. And, and, you know, they were like, what, what makes you think that you're qualified to teach math? And the true answer was I, I wasn't qualified to teach math. <laughs> I just knew that being a male math teacher made me a very hireable uh, person. And, but math was really my weakest subject. I'm not going to lie. And so, um, but this is probably standard for my approach in life is like, just cause I'm weak at it doesn't mean I'm not going to try. Right. Or get and, better. Right. Yeah, I mean, so what better way to immerse myself, you know, in something that I'm weak at and, and, and it turns out that was actually really good because I actually was able to teach math to kids on a very basic level. Cause I was not a high level math person. And so I was able to break it down and deliver the information in ways that, you know, brought them aha moments. And so, I've got that, you know, as, as a pat on the back for myself, but I didn't know that going into it. And so like
3: teaching yourself math while you're teaching the kids math.
2: So yes, basically, (laughs) I would go in the morning and I would do, you know, like an hour worth of study on the topic I had to teach that day. And then I would start teaching it. And that was a, uh, anyway, there was a girl that was my, my very first year. I taught my very first class period of the day who was a, a whiz. And so I would teach, something the way that the book would have me teach it and then she would say up but Mr Parnell um wouldn't it be better if and then would and I would say you know what why don't you come up here and teach the class (laughs) and then I would basically teach her way the rest of the day and uh so but you know and part of that is that humility right it's just Mm. I, I was not gonna sit there and say that I knew everything if there's a better way and that's a cool thing about math is there's more than one way usually to solve the problem but but all this leads up to the tribulation leading up to even just becoming a teacher and then while I was a teacher recognizing there was a major deficit in kids coming out frankly equipped to handle failure okay and so for you know the point of this podcast if I'm going to speak to anything it's that I realized very quickly that the educational system is is fouled okay it is we're graduating kids that have not experienced failure because the system does not allow it. And even mm-hmm. if they do fail, we just push them on through the system and, and not that I have a better option for that, but just the standard and expectation is one that we've shield from failure in the pub- public education system. And so these kids have no idea. And I mean, it's not, we basically make it seem like this failure is painful.
0: Yeah. And the reality
2: is the longer you push off the experience of failure, the more painful it can be. Right. But if you're just if it's just part of life and it's taught in that, hey, this is learning is is failing and failing is learning. Right. And that's so at one point in 11 years, it took me probably my first five before I would really my first and second days of class for all my students. I would just I would talk about failure and I would just I would just take a poll like who in here is afraid of failing. And inevitably, you know, nine out of 10 kids are afraid of failing. And I'm like, why? Why are you afraid of failing? And, and generally the answer is, you know, uh, because it makes them feel bad or somebody's going to be mad at them or something like that. And it's just these, these fear factors that our society puts into our, our, our kids and even, even possible home expectation. But and so instead of letting them experience failure, whether they pass a test or don't pass a test. We just, in many cases, give them the grade. Now, the reason why that's true is because there are teachers who are champions, okay? They are absolute champion teachers because despite the system giving them all kinds of pushback and flack of failing a student, it is very damn difficult to fail a student in the public education system, okay? Legitimately fail them. The burden of proof has to be on the teacher to fail a student, okay? And and so this is ridiculous. What I'm pointing out is the system does not allow for the experience of failure in the public education system, which is where your kids are eight hours a day or mm-hmm. longer if they're an extracurricular band, choir, mm-hmm. you know, and so it just doesn't allow for it. So you, they become ill-equipped to handle it.
3: Well, and and the the goal is to push them through because it looks bad on them.
2: I mean, I can get into the reasons. My opinion of the 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 bottom bottom line for why we push the kids through it's all about dollars and cents. Yeah, right. It's how you get
3: funded. Is how much testing and scores you get. Yeah,
2: but for the point of this podcast, as far as like what I was trying to bring, recognizing the issue, and then trying to figure out what the heck I could do about it as Mm as an educator. So there was things, you know, so I, I'm very much a gray area kind of guy. Okay. I mean, I'm not a black and white. It's just, if I, if, if there's, if we're going to play a board game, I'm looking for what's not in the rule book. Right. (laughs) And that's just the way I play. And so it's, it's also the way I live life. I mean, if you can't show me that it's not in the rule book, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to argue that it's not cheating. Right. Or it's not manipulating the scenario, but that's kind of how I operated. My classroom was like, okay, as long as it's not in the rule book, you know, I can do it, but I will also admit that I violated the rules for what I believe the best interest of my students was, mm-hmm. and, and I would just shoot them straight. And so on the first day of class, many times when we were getting into content and before we'd really start teaching was I had this conversation of failure. And so these kids are terrified. I mean, they're just afraid to fail. And so I would have a very real conversation and say, look, you know, all failure is, is learning. Okay if, if a baby crawls, stands up and falls down, is that a failure in their minds? It's not. I'm like, but it is. Yeah, it is. So the baby's crawling. I mean, before it can crawl, right. It has to like scoot and it's going to fall right on its face or whatever. It's just part of life. And then you crawl and then you start walking, you still fall down and you run, you trip and fall. And at some point you get your equilibrium and it's a process. So, where babies go through it naturally we remove that natural fail, failing process from our children's lives and they no longer get to experience it and mm-hmm. so that's for me that deficit in the public education system is we don't want our kids to feel bad and it's all about how they feel and it's where the, in my opinion the whole participation trophy comes from and in in sports and activity you know it's like you showed up good for you because if you don't get a trophy you're going to feel bad and i'm like this is it's it's all it's either purposely designed that way or it's neglectfully designed the so that, one one thing that i remember
1: so i i as you're talking I'm like did i have any teachers that with intention brought up failure and i i remember one woman who she was my teacher and the way she introduced herself to the class was, I have no problem failing all of you. Uh, you won't graduate. Like you, you'll, you won't move on to the next grade. I, I don't remember what grade I was in. I was definitely in high school, but it was more of a, a fear tactic, right? Yeah. Like a, it yep. was a tool to, uh, I guess, assert dominance. And I remember my feeling wasn't a fear of, Oh, she's going to fail me. It was like, okay, great. Like bravo look, look at you go, you're going to fail me. And then I'm just going to be stuck in, in the system. But at some point, I, I mean, the system's changed a lot since I graduated. Cause that was, you know, a while like back, 30, but
3: 30 years ago, right? it's
1: been 110 years, 110 <laughs> years since I graduated. And, uh, you know, so all I'm saying is, you know, it is kind of strange to sit down and kind of think about that while you're talking about this of, I know there were teachers when I was in high school obviously you were a teacher you know not too long ago that was in in, in a part of the system that hey wait a minute like we need to have a real conversation here uh, but I do find it strange that you know it's like hey so we're going to we're going to be working together for you know this next couple of semesters by the way I have no problem like destroying your life or what you perceive would be like destroying your life where I mean I felt classes right? Like I had to redo things and, you know, I wasn't proud of it. And it was, you know, it was almost presented as like, you should be shame, shameful for it. But the reality was, is it did teach me, okay, well, (laughs) you got to keep doing it till you get it done. So you can get out of high school. And it, that I, I do think that transcended into other parts of my adult
3: life. You bring up a good point on high school because the pressure is so immense, like your end of that to have a good GPA for whatever you're going to do. Like if you're trying to get into college. And I remember the amount of stress just trying to not mess it up. Uh, The pressure from your parents, from your teachers, just society in general. And your counselor would sit you down. I remember they sit you down and they're like, hey, um, if you don't get your stuff together and get this number, you're not going to go to the schools you want and you're not going to have the life you want and like, that's a lot of pressure to put on a 17 year old who doesn't know what or, they want to do with their life.
1: Or like the whole thing of, Hey, if you don't do this, you're going to be this type of job. And one thing that yeah. someone said to me recently, maybe you and I have had a conversation about this before of, you know, teachers would be, Hey, if you don't do this or counselors, if you don't do this, don't make these grades, you're going to be like a garbage man. Yeah. And then you grow up and you talk to someone that knows someone or is doing that profession and how much they They
3: make, make really good money. I wish they I was like, yeah, than,
1: they make more money than <laughs> teachers do. And you go, this whole thing
3: is a is lie. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Where it's like, it's a failure because you're doing a job that a lot of people don't want to do.
3: That's how like our parents' generation is like, do you want to be a fry cook? Do you want to go flip burgers at McDonald's? And you're like, that's not the only outcome <laughs> For me right. getting a 3.0 instead of a 3.5 like right. you do get that like they're like if, well, if
1: you don't get a 4.0 you're homeless what? yeah,
2: yeah. It, and in the top of, of education the irony is i mean i'm and i'll, I'll disclose that uh, let's see i'm got my four-year bachelor's degree was not a great student by the way i no um me neither i really <laughs> made it through college but by god i made it mm-hmm. um and then I did, I was a har- I'm a Harley certified technician from MMI, certified uh, home inspector. And I retired that license so I could do uh, real estate and I'm certified firefighter EMT. Like there's, there's not, basically my philosophy was if it's cool, I'll <laughs> do it. It's a good far- approach. Because as far as I know, I've only got one life to live, right? Mm. And so I'm not going to spend my, my non-infinite life on earth doing something that makes me miserable. Yeah,
3: Mm -hmm. And
2: so I think that's probably the first thing, you know, where is failure coming in all those is I did them certain aspects of them long enough to find out that it wasn't the fit that I had hoped it would be. And so where the outside perception of looking in on me from people, family, friends, you know, whatever, was, oh God, here we go again. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm just not, Like I've gotten far enough into it to know that this is not where I want to end up. And so, but there's also a YouTube video. uh, It's a TED talk and I can't remember who puts it on, but it's, I think it's called a multi multi multi-potentiality and it's a video I would show my students. And so the, the gist of it is, you know, can you be a person who's a a brain surgeon? And I forget the, the technical term for someone who repairs violins, but the answer is yeah, and it's a certain type of person who pursues so many different things, and dives deep into them and becomes proficient, and is like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm going to move on, and I'm definitely that adult. And as a, and when you when you when you teach students like that, they are the most frustrating students to teach, and I am absolutely that guy, okay, because it's you're you're having a hard time kind of like directing these kids, but I think part of that, and you know, bringing it back to the 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 failing aspect is the kids, as Sam, you pointed out, you, you had a teacher who used it as a threat. I mean, it was, failure was the club in education Mm -hmm. and there are many educators that are like that. Failure is the club. It is the threat. It is the, rather than celebrating failure as a learning process, Mm -hmm. the failure is not a four letter word. It's, it's a celebrated thing because congratulations you took a test, you failed, guess what? Now you know what you don't know, Mm. right? So go back and figure it out. And so here I am having failed, what is it? Three or four semesters in college. I failed as many semesters as was allowable and still was able to graduate college. Okay. So you're talking to a guy who's been there and done that. And why did I fail classes? Because I didn't give a shit about them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. They didn't interest me. And I went to a liberal arts school that made me a well-rounded educated individual. And I'm like, I don't care about half this crap, but I had to do it. But my grades were a direct reflection of what I cared about. Okay. That that doesn't mean I'm a good student. My wife, it doesn't matter if she's in a class she cares about or not. She is a good student and she is going to do well. And, and I'm like, dude, if I don't care, I'm out. And so failure is a reflection of what you care about. Okay. And so, and what I mean by that is if if you get to a point where you fail and you stop, you probably didn't care enough to continue, right? But if you get to a point where you fail, you get back up, you try again, you fail, you get back up, you try again, then you probably care enough about a thing to continue that that it's it's that crawling stand up fall down mm-hmm. you know learn to walk aspect and i think what allows you to tune into your own you know consciousness is is, is recognizing in yourself what you're willing to tolerate and if you're willing to tolerate a, a failure from an experience over and over again not the same failure but failures in the same vein okay for me business right i mean just doing a business Screwing it up because I didn't have things documented and losing money. Failure. Okay. Start another business. Got some, learned some things from my last one, got some things going, did okay, but was like, no, this, this is not fun. This isn't good. You call it a failure. It could be a waste of time, but it wasn't. That's like Mm -hmm. saying, that's like saying that any relationship you've ever had prior to the one that you're in now are all failures, right? They're not. I mean, they are because they ended,
3: but it's not a bad thing
2: but it's not a bad thing. You learn yeah, something from true. each and every one of those that you're willing to tolerate or not tolerate in the next one. And that's all it is. And yet somehow we've, we put this mystique and this negativity aspect on failing. That's just, it's, it's crippling our kids. It's, it's vilified
3: so for- into this like horrible yeah. thing you can't recover from.
2: Exactly. And yeah. I'm like, Dude, no, this is, and so as an educator, I mean, if I, you know, if, I'm, if I admit that I have buck this system a little bit it's I know I was told in multiple scenarios over the years by different speakers and people that would come in to talk to teachers the principal couldn't tell you not to fail a kid they would make your life hell if you did you know depending on the scenario and I've had principals that did and some that didn't but like I said the burden of proof was on the educator and I'm like well how do you have proof when the kid didn't do anything there is no proof because there's mm-hmm. nothing done. So now, what I've got a document of the fact, like here's a whole bunch of papers with their name on it or no name. But this is what I handed to them, and they didn't do it. So isn't that documentation a failure? But that's not the kind of failure I'm talking about. If a kid doesn't want to do it, then then obviously there's no try. It. Yeah, it's me, right? It's me in college. If I did, I mean, like eh, I don't care about your class. But of course, I had to go back, and I cared enough after I failed it to keep my GPA up. <laughs> so I'd go back and you know, fail forward again. You know.
1: One one thing that kind of popped into my head about how failure is viewed, it's, hey, you can talk about your failures after you've become successful and, and usually not successful of, hey, like I was in 10 different relationships and some was a year long, some was three years long, some were a month long, whatever. But then I found my wife and I knew who I was enough and was able to communicate and blah, 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 and blah. And then we got married, right? it's it does seem strange as we talk about the education system and trying to interact with children from an adult perspective of it's okay to kind of embrace your failures as you go because it, like the thing is is if i if i don't have a credibility of like hey look i'm making 10 million dollars a month like this is this is my story i came from like the rock always talks about i had 7 dollars in my pocket that is horrifying I, and I kind of have some experience of something like that happening, but I didn't put in the work and end up being a superstar to,
3: there's like these extremes and you feel like the only way to be successful is to be like Elon Musk or something crazy. Yeah.
1: If I go, if I go, Hey, I only had $7 in my pocket, but then I got a job at KFC and like now I'm doing pretty good. I'm making 20 grand, you know, a year. And I have like an apartment, like it's cool. People be like, uh, that's not great at all it wouldn't
3: be good enough it's that i think we've talked right. about this before uh, enough is not enough like that kind of mindset the carrot, but, and that's yeah and that's
2: yeah. A, i mean god i can go down a whole if you start a different podcast on that topic i could speak on that one too. we totally and could what, <laughs> and that yeah and that literally is all about social norms mm-hmm. that are intentionally uh, created to make people more frankly indentured servitude through getting loans to sustain a lifestyle that's not
3: that you can't afford right. the American way it's the American dream
2: yeah and so and 47 well, credit cards yeah the <laughs> American dream has been co-opted by advertising and and lenders in my opinion the American
3: so, credit score that was yeah. invented in the 80s
2: so that that's a whole different bag of chips We oh yeah <laughs> somewhere else but And that one is definitely designed to fail and not in a good way. Mm. Um, But, but yeah, so this is, so this is where I come back is, is, you know, as an educator, I've got these students. So we talk about, Hey, failing is absolutely part of the learning process. And if you are not failing, you are not trying, if you're not trying, you're not learning, if you're not learning, you're not failing. And so it all, it's, it's, it's the circle of, of learning. It is a process. And so in, in my classrooms, I would have moments where I would celebrate the fail and I was really able to, to deliver on this because I started teaching the engineering stuff. Um, in my last five years of education, I taught these engineering courses and all I had to do was to middle school kids, four middle schools where I, where I ended up and uh, actually I didn't end up there. I chose it because once I subbed high school, I was like, screw that. Uh, uh-uh. No, I'm not going to have a young, you know post pubescent, non adult, miniature adult disrespect me, <laughs> and then me be able to do absolutely nothing about it. So what do I do? I'd choose middle school where it's even worse, except at least, <laughs> you know, I can, I can establish some perceived authority by mm. just being a male with a gruff voice every now and then, which is not something I employed very often, but I can do it. And um, it's more like acting for me, I'll be honest, but, but that's what I chose and And you know, depending on where you are in education, everybody would tell you like if they if an elementary teacher would say, "Oh my God, I can't believe you teach middle school that's just the hardest." and I'm like, no yours is hard. like you got these kids that tattletale on each other all day long, I know I subbed it is awful, you know, but they're adorable and they're sweet and they hug you at the end of the day and they care about you. It's when they get to middle school they hate everything and you know now you're just the bone they teeth on. It's great, but at the end of the day it's it's um middle school is what I chose. I was teaching engineering and engineering gave me a very unique ability to teach things that I cared about that I thought were important for life skill. And I mean, we've taken life skills out of the classroom and frankly, there's an indoctrination of, and I mean, shit, it's happening right now. Just look around politically. This stuff's happening all over the place. And so these parents send their kids off for eight hours or more a day expecting good things to happen in the classroom. I'm like, you need to double check. You, I mean, and, and I want a classroom setting that isn't afraid to fail my child, hold them accountable. Okay. Bring the parent in to get me involved if need be. And that's just a, that's an individual basis because some kids don't have, frankly, parents that care and that's a whole different issue. Uh, but that doesn't mean the kid doesn't care, you know, because maybe that kid's motivated to get out, but maybe they're not. And, but when it comes to teaching this idea when it came to engineering it was unique because they had I would give a series of parameters and materials and it was here's the materials here's the parameters now do this thing and anything that isn't that thing is a failure yeah now that doesn't mean that it's ultimately a failure if they don't achieve it because there are many Steps, dozens, if not hundreds of steps along the process of designing. And all these groups would end up with different ways to solve the same problem. But anything that didn't solve that problem was a failure. And they didn't need me to tell them to go back and redo it, right? They knew it. There's the parameters. Anything that's not that's a fail. And so we could spend weeks on a project for them just to tweak it enough to be not a failure. And and with that comes critical thinking and critical questions, which is a whole different aspect of failing, because now you have to be honest with yourself and say, well, why did I fail? Why is this failing? And what can I change? And what is, you know, what's not working and what, you know, what am I not thinking about? And so I, I had, I had this activity I would do. It was the very first activity I would do in the introduction to my class. And I would give, I'd separate the class into groups and, I would hand them a piece of paper, one piece of paper, and six inches of tape. And I had this Lamborghini, die-cast Lamborghini that, you know, about the size of my hand. And I said, all right, your job is to build a bridge with your paper and tape that supports my Lamborghini between two tables. You can't move the tables, go. So the tables were probably about four foot apart. And so immediately these kids would set on to cut, I mean, just immediately just start cutting. They, I wouldn't even give them material. I wouldn't give them scissors and they would have to ask. So now they've got to figure out what do they need? And, and they ultimately screw the whole thing up because there's no way, it's impossible, frankly. It is impossible to do it because it's designed to fail the
3: kids. You set them up for it, yeah. Absolutely
2: set yeah. up for failure. There's no way they can do it. And so they just try and they try and they try and, and but by God, they want to do it. And so- and, and I just sit back and, and then I, st- I finally stop and I say, okay, look, let's talk. This time I'm going to give you a piece of paper and some tape, but I want you to actually think about and plan how you are going to do this. Don't just start doing it because that's the first problem is that people just run headlong into a problem. The quickest way to fail is to not have a plan. That's the first thing. So they, they realize, Hey, here's a plan, you know, we need to make a plan. And then I tell them, I's like, you are welcome to ask me questions okay you can ask me any question and i'm going to tell you one of two answers it's either it's either no or that's a really good question which is not a yes mm-hmm. but they might as well assume it's a yes because i want them to know the difference between it and it's not that the question they're asking me when i say no to it is a bad question it's just that i don't want them doing that because it would make it too damn easy like can we push the tables closer together no you can't okay but when you get kids who are starting to think creatively way and I, I didn't put them in a box. I didn't say you couldn't form groups and combine material. Right. So now you've got these kids who are like, um, can we work with that group and use their paper and tape? And I'm like, that's a really good question. And they're like, <gasps> And they realize, oh my God, I'm asking good questions. Like I'm learning, like I'm learning to think critically is, is ultimately what happens. And so you, just, you set up this whole introduction, this, this project that's absolutely designed to fail. You put very minimal restrictions on it and then you let them fail. And then you talk about at the end of it, like, hey, just so you know, everything you did was wrong. You failed miserably. Congratulations, because now you know it doesn't work. So what are you going to do to make it work? And what questions do you need answers in order to figure out how to make it work? And so that was a powerful introduction to my classroom. Um, It's not an original idea. I stole it from another. Well, I stole the project from another teacher, but I adopted it to my philosophy on failing. Because Mm -hmm. for me, that was an important link, connection between the project, the way it was designed to fail, and then talking about it. Just saying, this is your classroom now. Your classroom is figuring out how to get it right, not stopping after it's wrong, okay? And so for me, I felt like, you know, I had kids that probably had breakthroughs because once you realize the only thing that keeps me from succeeding is when I stop trying to succeed and I stop at a fail, that's it. That's the end, end of the story, you know? I think
1: one, I thought it would be really funny if you're like, I I didn't steal the idea, but I did steal the Lamborghini diecast. Uh, uh, No, but so I think it had to be very fulfilling to be able to see kids, especially like that middle school uh, range, because even when I reflect back to how I was as a high schooler, you know, I, I definitely towards the senior year started to get that vibe of, you know, I'm wearing my big boy pants and I'm an adult and, you know, little did I know I was about to go into my 20s and you know, whatever, but it had to be really fulfilling to see that because as adults, depending on the jobs that you've done, there are places that they try to do team building exercises, or they try Mm. to, you know, even if it, even if it's just trying to build camaraderie or doing some kind of critical thinking, whatever. And, and I'm probably guilty of this as well of, "Hey, hey, Hey, I'm not here for any of that extra stuff. I'm here to make a paycheck so I can pay for my, whatever, my car, my debt, my, I I don't care about anything else other than I need to pay for whatever and it it is it's something that seems it's a global thing right where we get to a certain age and we go hey I I don't want to learn anything else I I know too much and we don't really know anything right (laughs) and and it's so it's so strange because yeah
3: they're they're like like, I'm good yeah
2: I think that happens think, right about the middle school age uh, is my experience. Right <laughs> around eighth I grade. I don't need to know anymore. This is stupid. That's that's yeah. my...
1: I graduated eighth grade and it was over. I was done. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why people keep trying to teach me stuff. I I'm, <laughs> I signed the paper. I said I was done, you know. But I, I also know that one thing you've kind of instigated in my thought process as you're talking is there was a certain point in my life where okay i'm growing up and it's my teacher's job it's my parents job it's everyone else's job to teach me and make sure that i'm capable and growing as a person and then you get into maybe your 20s 30s it there isn't like an age limit of when you figure this out but at some point you have to figure out oh god like this whole entire time even when i was a kid it was my responsibility to be absorbing and learning yeah. and asking questions and self-responsibility is something we all have either done before or seen other people push away it not my problem not my job i don't get paid to do that and, and it's like well no one else is going to do it for you right i mean you could sit here and talk till you're blue but if i'm glazed over and you know you're blue, like i don't
3: need this information right I am like, good.
1: I uh I read a book in third grade get out of here you know and
3: I haven't read since <laughs> oh.
0: Oh, man. what I
3: was gonna add on is I just think it's interesting because for me my parents their style was you're gonna learn from your own mistakes good or bad and some were really bad and like it, obviously when I'm seven years old they're not like all right into the wilderness go figure it out but like you know as you start to drive as a teenager and stuff like that they're like we're going to give you more freedom, learn from your mistakes. I'm not going to tell you yes or no. And that taught me a lot. Mm. But then some people, parent, their parents either don't care at all or they're the opposite and they don't let them make any mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. They're, they lock it down to the point where the kid gets in the real world and it's like, what's happening? I, like, this is going wrong constantly.
2: I, you're absolutely right. And I've even heard of scenarios where, you know, high schoolers make it to college. And this is when colleges were not, you know, they, they, they were still higher education institutions that expected and demanded more of you as an academic. And, and I, not that that isn't true, but I, I know that there's a, the bar has been lowered, okay, uh, to accommodate. And why? Because it's all about money. And these higher academic education institutions are funded with these federal loans. And if they want their money, they're going to get kids through the system. You know? mm-hmm. And so what was happening was you would basically have these breakdowns, these nervous breakdowns of students going from high school because the public education system had frankly failed them because they haven't let them experience failure yeah. and, and learn from it and recover and become better, right? And then they go to college and all of a sudden they're failing for the first time academically and they don't know how to cope because it hadn't, it hadn't been allowed to happen. And so that's why I say, I mean, the real champion teachers out there, the ones who, in spite of the system, telling them, you know, whether they, the system says directly or indirectly not to fail a kid, they're still doing it because it's a necessary learning process, but they're taking massive flack for it. It's just a very unfortunate scenario that that's, that's the system that we've, you know, allowed to, to exist for our kids. And that's because it's unchecked and it's, it's federal. Um, Napoleon Hill in his book, think and grow rich. One of the lines that stuck out to me because I was reading that while I was an educator, the line that stuck out to me, said, the one thing that's wrong with the educational system in America is what makes it one of the greatest educational systems in the world. And that is that it's free because people do not respect that, which is free. Yeah.
1: And at what cost is it that? Yeah, I agree. And, you know,
2: if you, if, and so here I am, right. I mean, I've got my own experience with public education system and, and I'm frankly jaded by, by what I witnessed and even partly what I contributed, frankly, I mean, just cause I was a part of that. I was a cog in that wheel for a period of time, but I learned enough that I'm like I, hell or high water. I'm not going to let my kids into that system. Because if it's not the teachers themselves, the system itself is designed to keep my kid from having proper experience of failure, in my opinion. And that's just the basic of it. There's plenty of other reasons, but my kids are not in the public education system. And and I believe they're better for it because, you know, my kid comes home. She's not in a classroom full of distractions. She's in a classroom full of kids that want to learn. And, and if you say, well, are your kids in private school? No, they're not. It's not a private school. It is a learning environment, but it's not a homeschool at home environment either. So, but this is something that I think parents are waking up to right now across the nation. I think this is a very hot topic with what's going on and what parents are starting to realize is being taught to their kids without permission. And parents are starting to look for alternatives to the public ed system. And, and I, I, I knew that I wanted an alternative before I had children because I was asked one day by a coworker, would you let your kids that I didn't have at the time uh, go to public ed? And it hit me right in that question that the answer was hell no. And precisely because of the issues that I had with it and witnessed from other educators, the system itself. And you know, the fact that, the emphasis of the public education system these days is not education. It's just not. And so, and it's in, and, and so when we're getting into the question of failure, I mean, fa- friends of failure is one where we embrace it because it's a necessary aspect of learning and moving forward and growing. But then you've got that other side of failure, which in, is what happens when you're doing it to someone else mm. and you're failing them because you're not allowing them to fail. Right. So I think that's the flip side to this coin and conversation is what does it look like when it's not a good thing? And, and so now you have to recognize it. And it, you know, and part of that is, is like I said, it's, it's having, an, it's having discernment. It's being able to ask critical questions of what you witness and, 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 like I said, that's in the in the moment of failure, because if you're not able to ask a critical question, you are absolutely going to fail, right? You can avoid a lot of it if you just ask some critical questions, think about it and and, yeah. and act on what you've learned. And there's an exercise I do with my daughter right now, and she loves it, and she'll ask me to do it. and i and I just made it up because, like I said, critical thinking, critical questions, is not intuitive, okay? It has to be taught. And we don't teach it. The reason I, and I can prove that we don't teach it because every freaking test that we give, at least if it's not the ones during the year, it's the one at the end of the year, is multiple choice. Okay. It's multiple no- guess. Yeah, yeah. You just guess. There's no critical thinking that goes into a multiple choice. I got real good involved. at guessing.
3: I was great at multiple guess. Right.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so with my daughter, what I do, like the last one we did, was I held up a lemon and I said, this is a moon rock. And she's like, no, it is not. I said, no, yes, it is. It's a moon rock because I tell you it's a moon rock. And now her job is to ask me questions to force me to, to give up the information that proves that it is not a moon rock and it is in fact a lemon. And so, you know, she was and she got me with, well, what's a lemon? So I, hey, Siri, what's a lemon? And it asked Siri the question and it tells us. And here I'm holding a lemon that by description looks like a lemon. I'm like, she goes, well, then what's a moon rock? So these are all part of the critical questions rather than going back and forth with, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Actually looking for information that proves whether this thing is or isn't what I say it is. And so that just goes back to, that's a critical thinking and question asking exercise that doesn't exist. And why is it important? Because if you just turn on the television, every damn thing that comes out of that, Totally. I was about to
3: say, I feel like most adults don't have the skills your daughter yeah. has. <laughs> the the basic, case. like, hey, is this real or is this yeah. not real? Or is this thing I read on Facebook a fact? Like yes. ugh.
1: I was just gonna say on but literally on top of that, with social media, I I know that all of us for the most part have watched social media from its kind of birth and what it's become. I mean, even in the last four years, how violently, it can change. I mean, just so quickly. And there are people that their lunch break, the first thing they do when they wake up, they're at the gym, they're sitting at home eating dinner, they're like with a group of friends, and they're just looking at TikTok, or they're just looking at Instagram. And I have no problem with that. Do you? What worries me is that there's so much being ingested. And there are people who are getting factual information, and it's from memes there's no question and and i mean it's crazy because i i I, i've seen it
3: all i can think of is water boy like my mama said and that's like what (laughs) my my mama said
1: (laughs) yeah there'd be like there'd be like a meme and i would even sit there and go wait a minute yeah my brain went oh okay so that's a fact why is it a fact just because you're just a like there's so much assuming now yeah uh
2: god it freaks me out a little bit yeah, whatever you know hey whatever. hang on I gotta fine, it's a fine. so here's some things and this is you know since i'm trying to keep it on the top of of education because like i said i could i could take us down some many different rabbit holes in my life and witnessing and personally living the the failure life if you will and, and embracing it and going man i would not be where I'm, I'm happy with where i am and i'm happy with where i'm headed because I can look back and be like, oh, I felt big time right there. And I felt big there and I felt big there. And I either learned from it, picked up and moved on. Or I, I said, you know what, I'm not, like I've learned enough from this failure that I'm not gonna pursue this because this isn't what I want. And, but where I am right now, very happy with it. And also looking to the future and going, the things that I'm putting into place for my future and for my family's future are direct results of my past experience and so i can think myself my past himself hey good on you right and do i have regrets absolutely i'm human i've got Mm -hmm. regrets but you know you have to forgive yourself and move on but you also have to embrace those growing pains which are you know also failing failing pains and and go what am i going to learn from this so that when i move forward you know, I, I would say some of the most unsuccessful people are ones who have very little experience failing. And I would yeah. say the most successful people are the ones who failed a shitload. And, and they're okay
3: with failing. That's the oh, difference. Because I know people who failed and then it's like they give up and their life is just like, I guess I'll sit here at this level forever. And yeah, And so it. here's the
2: thing. There's a couple books that I would recommend on the topics, right? And so one of them is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan holiday. And the rundown on that book is, I mean, the title kind of explains it all, but it's what failing does is it bruises the ego and bruising the ego prevents you from wanting to fail. So you get crippled in this fear of failing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the book, but it's, it's a personal account and just how deep that can go and where that can really affect things and his own personal testimony to it and things and that, you know, personal exercise you can do to kind of get out of that funk if you will and the other book that i recommend on the topic is failing forward I bel- john maxwell i believe and again you know self-explanatory topic which is failing forward like basically the idea is you cannot fail fast the faster you fail the quicker you will be successful okay yeah And, and so in business, I mean, if you're like, I'm going to do this thing, then you better damn do it as quickly as you can. So you can find out that it works or not. And if it doesn't work, then you adjust, pivot and move forward. Right. Or you find out what didn't work about it. And so you keep moving or, you know, adjust and move forward. But that's, that's kind of the idea of that book. And so those are big ones. And I mean, I had read, so I went through all of college. I went through all of high school and college. I bet I read from cover to cover three books. Yeah. All oh, of Guilty, college. All of College. I read three books. Okay? And 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 I didn't know this about myself until I became a teacher, but one of the reasons I hated reading was I was dysle- I was dyslexic and I just I I I'm a slow reader and I hate that about myself. So I've learned to cope with it, but audiobooks have certainly been revolutionary. I love audiobooks.
3: And it's good because I'm technically illiterate, so, you know. Right,
2: so, well, you know, uh, you're, prob- you're a product of the public education system, sweetheart.
3: I can read a little. <laughs> I went to school in Texas, so it's just like a given.
2: <laughs> uh, that's uh, so I I have to bring this up because you,
1: you instigated another thought of, somebody said it before and somebody else will say it and hundreds of people have probably said it, but if you're going to do something, don't half-ass it, right? No. And the whole point of that is, is if you go full- I am hundred percent into this. I think it, it, it's that example of you will fail faster. And if you, if you do care, you'll get back up and go, okay, what's the critical thinking question. I'm going to do it again. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, from personal experience, there are things that I've half asked and I failed and went, well, uh, you know, it's not for me. And it's like, you didn't even, you didn't even really try, right. You only halfway tried or 75% tried And it kind of makes me laugh because, you know, I said my little piece a second ago about social media and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. And so now my brain's going, oh God, I need an app that can like help me practice critical thinking. Maybe I should do, maybe I should do Sudoku. And they're like, what is that going to do for critical thinking? And I'm like, I don't know, but doesn't that make me seem smarter? And they're like, we're not trying to seem smarter. We need to be smarter. Um, so I'm sure I'm going to go into some kind of mental crisis right after we probably. Finish this. That's yeah.
3: normally how these end: is Sam cries for thirty minutes after oh, the. <laughs> it happens,
2: man. Yeah. I'll give you a oh show. god! Oh god! How how do I well, critically? Think? Finish, I don't remember. I'm going to finish my my point on the not reading before people are like, "God, this guy's an idiot. He never read a book." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe so, we should discredit
1: everything he just said. So I mean,
2: I, I had to write enough good papers in college to make my way through, which means you can bullshit your way through college. Mm-hmm. That's one reality, which I did, and that's not the person I I don't want to be a bullshitter, but I know how to get through things, but not, you know, at the highest level. But the, what, what happened to me where I started realizing, you know, when you're learning about yourself and I mean, I'm talking, I was, this is like, I'm 30, 37 years old at the time that I was, or yeah, about that. When I, when something's flipped inside of me through all the experience I had leading up to this point and I've something flipped inside of me where I was like, I have to consume all the information in the world on these topics. And so it was all business and self-help and, you know, personal growth and mindset. And, and I read in about 18 months, I went through about 70 books. So I 10 X the number of books I'd probably really read from cover to cover in my life in 18 months, Mm -hmm. because it mattered to me. Mm -hmm. And I finally had hit a place in my life where I was like, I know where I'm going. I know what I want to accomplish. And there's a bunch of information out there in these nicely packaged, you know, binded books that I can access because someone took the time to put their knowledge into a nice tight package and allow me to purchase it for pennies, frankly, for what the knowledge is really worth. And, you know, I can sit here and tell you that there's, I could read books cover to cover or listen to them in audio. And sometimes, you know, I'd be going through two or three books at a time and one line from the book would change my life and Mm -hmm. one in particular that I got was when it comes to failing this one kind of hit me because it was like well the line was literally I I think it was a book it might have been a podcast but the line basically went something like this it was like hire your liabilities okay so as a business person when that hit me it was like hire my liabilities. That means if I suck at a thing, I should hire somebody that's better than me at it. Get out of town. And so that elevated my personal business to like a whole different level because where I was dwelling on things that I sucked at, because, you know, that it wasn't, it was partly a fear of failing, right? It was the fear of knowing that I sucked at a thing that was crippling my own growth and my own business. And so when I realized, oh, all I got to do is find somebody that doesn't suck at that. And they can do it, and I pay them for it. My business took off, and I would never have gotten there had I not pursued the information. And by the way, knowledge is not power.
3: No.
2: Okay. Applied knowledge is power.
3: Wisdom. It yeah.
2: Why are all the knowledge in the world? But exactly. On your butt, and you watch at the television, and you eat chips, and you do nothing about all that cool information you've learned. You have accomplished nothing. The knowledge is useless, and it is worthless. And once you start to apply it then you can have power through that. And so that's something that I think is, is another thing for me that you know, sets apart somebody who's just going through the motions versus, you know what, I need to do that. I really got to do that. I got to put that into my life. And so that's just a, another piece for me that kind of hit me.
3: I just wanted to add on to that whole knowledge isn't everything. Like if you don't understand it, don't apply it. In my master's, I, I learned about the hierarchy of data and knowledge and wisdom. And it goes data, information, knowledge, wisdom. Most people stick around information. They just know like a fact, not how to apply it, not how to do anything. But the knowledge is like you've gathered research from multiple people. It's a collection of scientific evidence and theory that creates knowledge. And then wisdom is what you're talking about learning to actually apply that there's very smart people that have so much knowledge, but can't Mm -hmm. make it actualize into anything, you know?
1: So Tim, uh, obviously at the beginning of this, I talked about how we've known each other for a long time and we kind of have a similar road. I mean, I'm a little bit younger than you, uh, even though until we think about it, it doesn't ever really feel like that. Right. But there is some wisdom that you've gained where I'll be in a position to go. Oh yeah been there done that and i'm like oh well okay and so there have been multiple times where he's like hey i'm telling you you should check out this book and i would come up with like the dumbest excuses <laughs> oh well, i don't have time to read that okay well then get audible oh, i'm not gonna spend money and one thing that that was really weird that he that you did through our conversations is it was like if you are not willing to invest in yourself and part of that is going to be you know, you go to the gym, you eat foods that are are good for you, right? Like, like, if I'm allergic to peanuts, why would I just keep eating peanuts? Like, (laughs) hey, learn the lesson, stop eating the food you're allergic to find what works for you. Yeah. And so I had this mentality from, you know, wherever I came from, of, you know, "Ah, I got to be careful where I spend my money. And it's like, if you are not willing to invest in yourself, you, you, you won't ever fail. I mean, failing is investing in yourself, you know, depending on, you know, how you fail, I guess. And there have been books that, you're, you're not wrong where I have to kind of, you know, go through the trenches and get to the point of, all right, like I'm beginning to end, but there is always something that you'll take from that book. And there've been books that you're like, Hey man, you should read this. And from the beginning of the book to the end, I'm having fireworks going off. And the strangest part for me in terms of gaining this information and you're hundred percent right is as I'm listening to these books um, you know, I like to take about a week, maybe two weeks to go through a book. Cause some of these books, they end up being really dense and you have to comprehend it. Um, yep. one that I will bring up over and over and over again is called the power of now, because I mean, I felt that kind of spiritually and I sometimes could only listen to the book for maybe 30 minutes and I need some time, you know, I went on a tangent there. I guess I'm really excited to go read now after <laughs> I do my Sudoku and my
0: i look
3: really
1: smart. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna do Sudoku, but I'm gonna have like six books laying out. And well, you know, here's
2: here's you know, personal observation, friend to friend. I mean, you're clearly acting, right? You're acting on a thing by having this podcast, having me on here, and moving forward, failing forward. I mean, you're growing this thing. You're just getting started, and you are absolutely going to fail in the process. Okay, yep. congratulations.
3: We're doing it right now.
2: You're doing yeah. it right now. <laughs> yeah. and you're gonna look back on this episode and be like, "Man, we really, you know, could have done this and this and this." But it's learning from it and moving it forward and going on the next one or the ones after that. And you can just watch the growth process as you look back and go, "Wow, we've come a long way." And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that's really cool, is because you're setting yourselves apart by having this, this, this show, this podcast, this YouTube, you know, so that you can, you know, grow yourself and 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 help others, you know, understand and connect with it. And, and that's what I think is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, Sam, watching you grow, watching you, you know, take the information that I put out there and I mean, it's up to you to pick it up. I can't make you read a damn thing. Right. 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 Puts it down to my head. And and so you've done it and, and you're moving forward and you're saying, you know what, let's just, let's just make it happen. So now you've got applied knowledge. You've learned things that allowed you to be in this moment and now you're applying it for yourself and that's what's pretty cool. And that's the whole point. That's, that's the point of all this. And so, I mean, and, and I know Megan, you as well, just, you know, haven't just met you for the first time, but clearly you're on a mission, you know, you're on a mission yeah. to, to spread the word. And, and I'm, I'm all about that mission. I think that's awesome. And, and I'm wishing you all the best. So.
3: I don't know how to get there, but we're doing it. Well,
2: you know, it's a journey, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the best part is you got, you live in the moment of the journey. You just, you be thankful. You feel blessed and you move forward and you and you help as many people as you can along the way and mm-hmm. i think that's awesome for both of you
1: i definitely well i know we both appreciate it i do find it funny though because her and i both have had conversations as we're trying to begin this project and uh how could we be individuals who keep instigating a conversation of failure if we're not willing to fail and part of that failure is starting this project Absolutely. so we can figure it out because yeah. I mean, I give you a lot of props, Megan, because you have done a podcast before. And so you were kind of my, hey, I need some guidance if we're doing this together. And, you know, I've talked a little bit with Tim. Uh, he's dabbled in the podcast world briefly. You're like, Sam, I did that for 15 years. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but my, my point is, I do have moments where I have to just tell myself to shut up inside my head and go, it's, it's going to happen as it's going to happen. Again, just don't half-ass it. Just do it. Just go in there. A whole asset. Just whole asset. Both cheeks. Whole,
3: just go for it.
1: A whole on. <laughs> just do it. Right. <laughs> awesome. Whole assing life. <laughs> That's, I like that. That's put that on
3: a no. Yeah. Nah, just right across on. your chest.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> There's like ass nope. cheeks. The whole thing. <laughs> Use the wow. Um, you know, this is that that time of the show right where uh we we both want to thank you for coming on i do want to give you the opportunity of is there anything that you would like to leave us with uh or any final thoughts uh you could literally beatbox us out if you wanted to please don't do that no Uh, pressure (laughs) no
2: i would just say this if i'm if i'm you know if there's a listener out there who's hearing this and they're they're having that little pondered moment inside themselves going like, I think this is me and whatever. And if I was looking at you face to face and I could say something to you to like try and spur you forward, it would—it literally would be, what the hell do you have to lose? Mm -hmm. Right? What do you have to lose? I mean, the experience. You have more to lose by not pursuing that thing that you feel like eludes you. And frankly, whatever it is that you're afraid of, is exactly what you should pursue so that you can conquer the fear, feel better about yourself and move forward, okay? And that is in my opinion, what it really boils down to is people are afraid to move forward and grow themselves because they're afraid of something that they have made up in their own heads. And so you have no idea what the outcome is. So don't be afraid, be willing to fail, learn from it and move forward. And that way, when you're on your deathbed, you are not having regrets about all the things you could and should have done. So if people ask me, well, why do you have so many certifications and so much, you know, life experience and yada yada, it's because I don't want to die saying, I wish I had done this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I, I, I don't have a problem with admitting that. And it's led me to where I am now. And I'm pretty darn happy with it. And I hope to educate my own children on their own journey. And and I hope that they can grow. In their that's own awesome.
3: That's a great takeaway. And now I'm just picturing two tattoos and one is whole ass life. And the other is Nova Gertz and they're like right next to each other.
1: Yeah. And they're <laughs> just very well kind of orchestrated and applied.
2: I'll buy that t-shirt. I'll get that on your show. All right. I'll be the first.
3: Yeah, one. Yeah, we need an artist to do that one. Oh, it has it. potential.
2: Right on. Okay. That's what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the whole, the whole thing.
2: I'm sure somewhere in there, we're cutting it off. I get it, right?
3: Oh, we're not done yet.
2: Oh, we're not done <laughs> yet. We it it's happening, people. This is a false just, start.
3: So we'll we'll just start to wrap up the show and do our normal thing. So we're on all socials under Friends of Failure. You can find the, the link in our bio. I'll just do, you know, that Gen Z thing, link in the bio down below. And then this is YouTube. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever medium you like. But our favorite thing to call out and what we really want to focus on right now is we want to hear your failure stories. So you can email those at friendsoffailurepodcast at gmail.com or you can call us and we still don't know if it's the right number. So we're just going to keep giving it out uh, at 916-304-3545 and just leave us a little voicemail, uh, tell us a funny story or a, a lesson, a learning moment, whatever you want.
1: I do think I'm going to call that number and probably end up talking to some sweet old lady or maybe like a really angry old anybody. And they'll be like, I don't know what you did, but ever since two weeks ago or four weeks ago, it's been nonstop. (laughs) People calling me about things that they failed on. I I don't, what am I supposed to do with this information?
3: We're going to get sued for giving out a phone number on a public.
1: How could you do this to that person, right? The last thing, of course, we want to leave you with today is uh, just to remember one thing and that's life is happening for you not to you Uh, so go out there and fail and then Tim you can box us out
3: he's Uh like absolutely not
0: (laughs) if it's not I'm stronger than you It's I'm wiser than you, I'm more
3: loving than you, I'm more tolerant than you, I'm more sophisticated than you. It doesn't matter what it is, but this constant competition is going on. This is the secret. This is the secret.
0: You can't make a mistake.